I'm glad that as we moved the table back in the place, there was no loud popping or anything like that. For today's scripture reading, uh, it comes from two different places, Genesis 1 and then later the end of Matthew. And what I've prepared with Genesis 1 is a bit of a responsive reading, but in the light of the celebration of today, I don't want it to be like the responsive readings I remember growing up, where the pastor would say something and then I and probably the ones around me would kind of mumble our parts and and that. So, Pastor Eric made you repeat, Christ has risen indeed this morning. I'm not going to do that because I already heard that we all know how to say things in celebratory voices. And so when it gets to your part, I encourage you to read that in a celebration, read that in a declaration, read that with some emotion behind it. And that might be a little abnormal, but hundreds of balloons falling from the ceiling are also abnormal in church. And we are celebrating today because I think we need to get used to that celebration. And so in Genesis 1, we, we hear, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. God took what was formless, empty, and dark. And on the first day, God created light and separated it from the darkness. God looked at the light and God said, And the next day, God separated the water above from the water below, and God called that space the sky. God looked at the sky. I think we went a little far. Yeah. God looked at the sky God had created, and God said, And then on the third day, God created dry ground and separated the vast expanses of water. God called the dry ground land, and the separated waters were seas and lakes and rivers and ponds. And God looked at all of this and said, Then, on the land, God got even more creative. God created plants and trees and fruit and instructed all of these things to grow at their appointed times and to produce according to their infinite varieties. And God saw all this vegetation and God said, These plants are good. And then on the fourth day, God kept up the good work of creation. God created lights in the sky, the sun, the moon, and the stars. God created these to make night and day. And God looked at all these lights and God declared, These lights are good. And then the fifth day came. And on that day, God filled the bodies of water with all kinds of sea creatures. And God filled the sky with all sorts of winged birds. God also gave them the job of continuing to multiply. And God looked at all these new living creatures and God declared, And on day six, God filled the land with creatures, such as livestock, wild animals, and all other animals that move along the ground. And again, God looked at this huge variety of creatures, and God said, These creatures are good. But God wasn't finished with creation on that part of the sixth day. Also on that day, God made humans, you and I. Creatures made in the image of God. And God gave us the task of taking care of all of the rest of creation and the task of living together in right relationship. Now with the sixth day coming to an end, God looked over all that had been created. The light, the sky, the land, the water, the creatures, the vegetation, and God's own image bearers. 
And having looked over all of this creation, God declared, all these things I have made are very good. And then we read from Matthew 28. You're done your part, at least in the responsive part. Matthew 28, verse 1, the story of Easter, at least one of the interpretations of the story of Easter that we have in the Bible. And there we read, after the Sabbath, at dawn on the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went to look at the tomb. There was a violent earthquake, for an angel of the Lord came down from heaven and, going to the tomb, rolled back the stone and sat on it. His appearance was like lightning, and his clothes were white as snow. The guards were so afraid of him that they shook and became like dead men. The angel said to the women, Do not be afraid, for I know that you are looking for Jesus, who was crucified. He is not here. He has risen, just as he said. Come and see the place where he lay. Then go quickly and tell his disciples, He has risen from the dead and is going ahead of you into Galilee. There you will see him. Now I have told you. So the women hurried away from the tomb, afraid yet filled with joy, and ran to tell his disciples. Suddenly Jesus met them. Greetings, he said. They came to him, clasped his feet, and worshipped him. Then Jesus said to them, Do not be afraid. Go and tell my brothers in Galilee to go to Galilee. There they will see me. This is the word of the Lord. We made it. We made it through the days of Lent. If you were here at Christmas, I was also asked to speak at Christmas, and again, it was a we made it through the longing of Advent. And this time, if you've been following along with Lent, we made it to Easter Sunday. And maybe for some of you, it means you made it. Maybe you gave up chocolate, or maybe you gave up social media, or maybe you gave up something for Lent, and you've made it. You've made it to Easter and can maybe take on some of those things again. Maybe you want to keep doing that practice. If you've been here the last several Sundays as we've gone through the spiritual disciplines, we've made it with those too. And I hope that you've joined along in practicing some of those, whether that was fasting or silence or solitude or study or remembering. I hope that you have created that space for God and that God has met you in that place. And for those of you who are here Good Friday or watching online or marking that day somewhere else, we've made it through these past couple days too. From the sorrow and agony of a crucified Jesus to today, where we celebrate with balloons and response and songs the rising of our Savior. We've made it. We've made it to this joyous day. And today we look at the celebration of discipline. Or <laughs> that's the book that we have been looking at. We look at the discipline of celebration. It's hard to get those backwards. We look at celebration and anticipation. And I want to start out asking about where is your focus normally? Because I know mine often isn't in the right spot. And I often wrestle, as a pastor up here speaking to you, how much should I let you in sometimes to the, I'm really bad at what I'm going to talk about for the next little bit. 
And I think today I need to say that because I've needed to discover this along the way as well. I am bad at celebration. And it comes up in lots of different ways. I wanted to start swimming again. And so my goal, like always, was set too high, and I was going to start by going every day of the week. And I only made it two times. And my counselor and my girlfriend and other people would say, celebrate those two times that you made it. And I say, I didn't make it the seven. And I can do the same thing on tests. I can get a 95, I wish, but we'll say, I can get a 95, and I won't look at those 95 I got right. I will right away look at the five I got wrong because I want to do better on the next one. I am bad at celebrating. And I don't think I'm alone in that. I think we've all learned to be that way in a sense. I think that we are very good at seeing what is wrong. The news helps us learn that. Gas prices are too high. People don't make enough. We can't do this. We have to do this. These things are happening all over the world. We don't take time to see the things to celebrate. And I hear it even, and I was joking with Dave this morning at coffee because I did it again. When someone asks, how are you doing? Some of you respond good, but a lot of us respond, I'm not bad. And again, that learned behavior of not the celebration, but starting from the bad, and it could be worse, I'm not that bad. And I don't think it's limited to just me or to society. I think the church does this as well. I think in church we have learned to start with our place as broken and fallen sinners. And I think that needs to be acknowledged I don't think we should just ignore that part, but I think we need to get past that part. And so in church, we start with broken sinners and fallen, but we need to take steps forward. Because starting there makes a space for God, and starting with celebration makes a space for God too. You don't need to follow me with the camera, I need water. Both of these starting points do make space for God. But what kind of space are we making? And I want to start with Genesis today. I want to start way back in the beginning because we need to look at what comes first in the story. And we read it. And if we go to the next side, we see over and over again, God saw that the light was good. And then in five different verses, God saw that it was good. And at the end, God saw that it was very good. God, on the day of creation, took the waste, took the chaos, took the darkness that was going on, and God brought order and beauty and tasks and responsibility and life. And that was the very first start of the story. And that's stuff to celebrate. That is something to keep coming back to. That is something that we need to say over and over again like we did today. This is good stuff. And I wish that we could have a little balloons falling every time that we had said it was good. Because can you imagine God on those first days of creation? I know how excited some of us get for spring. And we've seen spring before. And we see buds coming. We see uh, plants starting, we see new animals being born, we see snow melting, 
Can you imagine God the very first time that all this happened? To see that darkness, to see that nothingness, and to bring up that first sign of life. I can picture God saying, this is absolutely incredible. And maybe the Hebrew just doesn't have those words to translate. But I can see God being super excited about that. That story, the story that we find in Scripture, our story starts with a celebration. But we all know what comes next. We all know the shadow of Genesis 3. A couple chapters later where the humans who were walking with God in that space that was created for them decided, we want something more. We want something different. And Genesis 3 talks about the fall. It's part of the story we can't ignore. We see it all around us. But it is not the beginning of the story. And for some reason, we lose focus of the beginning and the celebration and the goodness, and we're drawn to that as the start of our story. And it's not. In Colossians, we read, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, and then the author goes on to say other things, but he's got it right. It's not as God's fallen people who keep messing up and falling into sin, go do this. It's as God's chosen people created very good, and that is the starting point. We can't forget that original intent, the original product. We focus on the fact that Genesis 3 corrupted humanity, but we forget sometimes about the humanity that was good, that was corrupted. We can't forget about it. I said that. As a church, we need to acknowledge these things, and we need to live and grow into that. But when we start with Genesis 3, it changes the focus, doesn't it? It makes the space for God simply a space of, God, this is broken, come fix it. God, I need you over here too because this isn't going well. God, do you got this? And I think I can fall into that sometimes. And we need God in those places. We need God to fix things. But when my prayers, and maybe yours too, mostly focus on this isn't going well, God, please fix it, that's a different start than God, this is going well. Thank you for where you are present. And we need to remember that we were created good and there was celebration. We were created for that purpose of spending time with God, of creating space. And it's Easter. And I don't need to get stuck in Genesis when we want to be in Matthew talking about a risen Savior. But I think we need to start in Genesis 1, knowing that things were created good, to really understand the celebration of today. Because when we get to Easter, Easter begins more with the fallen, more with the brokenness. The Easter narrative today starts like so much of what life often feels like for all of us and how we can choose to see it. We read here several times of the fear that was present. And that makes sense. Jesus, the one they had been following, they just saw him crucified. He died. There was a sadness. There was a bit of a jumpiness for his followers because were they next? And the fear makes sense. If you were here on Good Friday or if you've been to a Good Friday service or even sat and thought about what happened on Good Friday and the death of Jesus, you would feel the sadness. 
you would feel the fear. You would feel that brokenness, especially if you were there on that first day. We've celebrated Easter and Good Friday lots of times. We know what comes next. But picture that first time when Jesus died and his followers weren't quite sure what was going to happen. They felt a fear, and it made sense. And you might know that fear and brokenness as well, because that is where Easter starts. But that's not where Easter ends. And that's the part that we get to celebrate, because Easter goes on. And the Easter focus is very different than that focus of the being afraid. Because the story doesn't end with fear. Both the big story that started in Genesis 1 and the other story that starts here, which is just a little small part of the big story or a smaller picture of the big story, we see celebrations starting to happen in this passage that we read. Several times we hear, do not be afraid. And I love that picture of a people living in fear and an angel coming and saying, do not be afraid because he is risen. He is not here. And I love that song because that's about our identity. That's about who we are. That's about where we focus. The angel says, don't be afraid. There's something to celebrate. Jesus is risen. And I love and I chose Matthew's version here because of what we read in verse 8. The women hurried away from the tomb afraid yet filled with joy. And I think that's such an important picture. It's not ignoring the fear. It's not just saying that doesn't exist because we only get to celebrate. It's saying we're afraid. We recognize that we don't understand something here, but we are filled with joy. And that is the big picture story. The joy, the recognition that a Savior has risen, that the story has changed. That that what was started in the beginning, a creation that was good, a creation born in celebration, a creation that was fallen, gets to start celebrating again. Christ is risen. Christ is doing something new. Christ is bringing about a new creation. And the space that they thought they were going to find their Savior that morning was empty because they were looking in the wrong place. Because Christ was not dead. Christ was not in a tomb. Christ was not stuck there for the next time, just things needed fixing. Christ has risen. And when the women went out walking on their way, that risen Christ appeared to them. They needed to look for Christ. They needed to look for Jesus walking and acting already in this new creation. And then right away, they bowed and grabbed his feet. And I just see them in such shock as they fall before him and hug him and say, don't leave us, don't do that again. Afraid of what just happened, yet filled with so much joy. It was an act of celebration. This isn't just a passive celebration. I don't want us to leave from here saying, we can ignore all the bad stuff because Christ is risen. That's not quite how it goes. Because we are encouraged and invited and told to engage in this celebration. Over and over again to realize the brokenness and to do something because we're invited into the celebration 
over that brokenness. I think of Jesus just a few verses later in verse 10 saying, go. You're hugging my feet. You're happy I'm here. We're celebrating. And Jesus says, go, tell these people. And then a bit later again, Jesus gives the great commission because he said, we're not just going to sit here and party to ourselves. You need to tell everyone about this. Maybe it's been a while since you got to celebrate with everyone. I think back to, I don't know if anyone watches basketball, but Toronto's team, the Toronto Raptors won a couple years ago, and it was a big deal. And it was such a big deal that millions of people went to downtown Toronto because they wanted to celebrate. And I follow basketball. I like the Raptors. I wouldn't call myself their biggest fan. But a friend of mine who would have all the gear and all his kids would have all the gear and he loves it and knows all the stats said, my favorite team just won. Come with me. Let's celebrate together. And I went with him. And I joined those millions of people packing the street because something exciting had just happened. I think that's what we hear here. We're that people who know Jesus. We're that people who understand a celebration that needs to be had. And we're the people who need to invite others to see the celebration, to join the celebration, to see the good things that have happened on Easter Because what happened is incredible, and it continues to be incredible. We are invited to participate in a celebration and to invite others to join as well. Not just to see the brokenness, but to celebrate where Jesus is making a new creation and pushing that brokenness aside bit by bit. So what does this look like? I don't know what it looks like for you. Maybe it means parties every month just to remember Easter because we don't need to wait another whole year to celebrate like this. These celebrations should be happening day after day because Jesus didn't just rise on one day and that's the day we celebrate. It's not Christ has risen. It's Christ is risen. That continues. That celebration goes on. And I took this quote off the CRCNA website talking about the disciplines. And there it says, Through the faith practice of celebrating, we delight in circumstances, relationships, and occasions that help us remember and anticipate God's abundant goodness, creativity, faithfulness, beauty, and love. So what does that look like for you? What does celebrating those things look like for you? I also took two handy little questions off of that site, and I'm going to ask them to you, and we're not going to try to come up with answers right now, but I think it's important to ask these throughout the next week, throughout the next months. When, where, and with whom do you catch glimpses of God's declaration that this creation is very good? Who helps you see that? Where can you see that? The discipline of celebrating means entering into those places where you can see that what God is doing is good. And then the other question is when and where and with whom can you encounter a foretaste of the new creation? It's not about where can I ignore everything that's going on so I can just be happy because I know the future. But it's where can you join in? Where can you go to see the foretaste of a new creation and be part of that? as well. And we get to go celebrate. 
because we are not a Genesis 3, just a fallen and broken people. We are an Easter people. We are a people that get to live out the fact that Jesus is risen. Death is conquered. The ending is known. And we can rejoice as an Easter people. If we go to the next slide, I put a um, a quote that many of us, maybe from the Reformed tradition, know well, the already but not yet. The already meaning that Jesus has brought a new kingdom. That kingdom is already here. That kingdom is growing day by day, and that's what we're celebrating. And we seem very quick to tag on the but not yet. It's almost the we get to celebrate a new kingdom. Yeah, but don't celebrate too much because look how bad things are. We need to realize that new kingdom is here. And yes, things are broken, but focus on the new kingdom. Focus on the Easter that shows us Jesus has risen and is doing something new. We left here in silence on Friday. Some of you who are watching online got a bit more silence because the feed just cut out with the loss of power. There was a unsettledness. There was something missing as we all exited in silence. There's a sorrow in seeing a Savior die. A Savior that there was so much hope for. There is sadness, confusion, anger, and maybe some fear. But that is not where the story ends. We are no longer sitting here in silence. We're sitting here with balloons all over the place. We have a celebration of a Lord's Supper coming. We have a risen Savior who is bringing a new creation. And God is saying, this is good. So we go from here and we celebrate that we serve a risen Savior. And we live in a new creation that bit by bit is working towards completion. Christ is risen. He is risen indeed. Join me in prayer. Lord, thank you that we serve you as a risen Savior. Thank you that we get to sing of that. Thank you, Lord, that the story did not start with our fall, but started with your good creation. And thank you that the story does not end with your death, but ends with your resurrection and a new life not that is just coming in the future, but a new creation that is already started. God, help us to celebrate. And in doing so, help us to see where you are already at work. Help us acknowledge the spaces where we need to be at work also, but help us to see you moving in your new creation. Lord, you began a good work. Way in Genesis 1, and also now on Easter, and you have promised to see that through to its completion. Thank you that we get to celebrate with you every step of the way. Amen.